0: We have the opportunity this morning to open God's Word again, and I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philemon. Philemon, just before Hebrews and just after Titus, Paul's letter to Philemon. Philemon. I think all of us know that everyone delights in encouragement. Most of the time, so many of us, myself included, are in need of encouragement in order to excel at what we do. It seems at times, though, that encouragement is what we see least by those around us, or at least that's our perception. Oh, if we had our own paid personal encourager who would do nothing but follow us around and continually speak to us words of encouragement. Wouldn't that be great? The story is told, in fact, of one dreary Monday morning after a barren Sunday when the great evangelist and pastor D.L. Moody sat weeping in his study, depressed with the thought that there was no pleasure in working for God if there was no fruit. A Sunday school teacher visited him and on inquiring about the previous day's meetings received this reply from Moody. It was as dark a Sunday as ever I had. By way of contrast, the Sunday school teacher said, but I had one of the best times I ever had in my life. I was preaching on Noah. If you think you are doing nothing, You read about Noah. Moody turned to his Bible and began to study the life of the great patriarch. Here was a preacher who labored and talked for over 100 years without a convert, but he did not become discouraged. He never led even one soul to the Lord except from his own family. Moody put down his Bible and went out to the meeting with his head held high and all thoughts of darkness and depression gone. as he sat in his chair in the meeting, a man came forward trembling and said, My friend, I am lost. Would you please pray for my soul? Moody thought to himself, What would Noah think of that? He was encouraged. He was encouraged by the ministry of a faithful Sunday school teacher who was encouraged by Noah. Boy, if we only had someone like that faithful Sunday school teacher to encourage us continually, to boost our hearts every week with the work we're doing. There's another account of one of Israel's greatest uh, statesmen of the 20th century, Abba Ibn. He had been called one of this century's greatest speakers, very eloquent, even compared by the London Times to the great Cicero of old. The London Times complimented him about his ability to speak, and in a classic understatement, even noted that one not be needed to take all of the eulogies at full value to be impressed and encouraged by them. He said this, Positive reinforcement appreciates present achievement and encourages greater achievement. What people are inside determines whether praise makes them shrink, grow, or merely swell, whether it thwarts or stimulates greater effort or freezes them in self-adoration. Humble people accept kudos as a challenge to excel present achievement. They serve from love, in competition only within themselves, and appreciate the notice when someone looks and encourages their efforts." That's what we're going to center in on this morning. We're going to talk about how to have a ministry of encouragement. And that is exactly what the Apostle Paul gives this morning to us, to his slave master friend Philemon, in Philemon 4-7. to You follow along as I read. Philemon 4-7. to Paul says to his friend Philemon, I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother." Now, in just four short verses, Paul gives us what we could say is a ministry plan of action to encourage other people. How might we have a ministry of encouragement in people's lives? How can we work hard in encouraging others in their relationship to us and to the Lord? What are the ingredients that mark out for any person who is a believer in Jesus Christ? How to encourage others. Paul gives it to us here. He gives us four very simple principles on how to be involved in a ministry of encouragement. He gives us in verse 4 the source of encouragement. He gives us in verse 5 the basis of any encouragement. In verse 6, he tells us about the ministry of encouragement. And in verse 7, the results of encouraging One another. Let's look at those four in detail. The first is located for us in verse four, the source of encouragement. Whom is the source of encouragement? Well, Paul says that it is God. He says in verse four, I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers. Now remember the context. Paul is sending Onesimus, a slave, who has bolted from that slavery, probably many years ago from this time, from Philemon, his master. He is led to Christ by Paul, probably in Rome, and after some time of discipleship, we don't know exactly how much, he's now sending Onesimus, this slave, back to Philemon, who lives in Colossae, and he's telling Onesimus, I want you to go back and I want you to seek Philemon your master's forgiveness for having sinned against him by leaving that slavery some time back. And he's going to be sending along with Onesimus a letter, and this is that letter, to Philemon. So he's going to send Onesimus personally with this letter back to this slave master, and he wants to encourage Philemon to grant forgiveness to Onesimus. He's come to Christ, he wants to be useful now, and Paul appeals to the character of Philemon to receive this man Onesimus not only back to his home, but also back to the fellowship of fellow Christians here in Colossae. And the first thing that Paul says to Philemon after the introductory material which we discussed last time was to say, Philemon, I want you to know that I am so very encouraged about who you are. In fact, I'm so encouraged that I, every time I think of you in my petitionary prayer life, I thank my God always. Now That, my friends, is very encouraging. How would you appreciate it? If someone were to say to you, a good friend, someone whom you have known for many, many years, and they would say to you at a particular point in time, I want you to know, Fred or Bill or Sally or Jane, I want you to know that I, whenever I pray for you, I thank my God always for who you are. I'll tell you, that is an encouraging word. But notice the source of that encouragement. He says, I thank my God always. I think it's true that he does thank Philemon for who Philemon is, but Paul, as a habit, as a pattern in his life, never saw the person as generating anything within their character to have been encouraged by. He is always seeing above the person or through the person to the one for whom is the source of all encouragement, and that is God Himself. He could have said, I thank you, Philemon, for your character, for your gentleness, for your goodness. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for all of the ways that you've opened up your home to these Christian people in Colossae. I just thank God for you. I thank you so much for who you are. But really what Paul does is he goes behind Philemon to the one who has granted him all of this service, all of this ministry, all of the character that Philemon has. I thank God. He realizes that God is the source of any encouragement that we receive. Paul is literally saying, I never mention you in my prayers without thanking God. God is always and forever, friends, the source of any encouragement that we have toward anyone or that we receive from anyone. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Corinthian church were saying, I am of Paul and I am of Apollos, and they had factions and divisions among them. And Paul was so grieved at that because he didn't want himself to be put on a pedestal. One group was saying, I am of Paul, and another group was saying, I am of Apollos, and another group was saying, I am of Cephas. And Paul was so grieved at that because he realized that the person who is the agent that God uses to bless people is only the agent. God is the one who is the giver of life. God is the one who is the blesser of life. God is the one who is the, the ministry of encouragement in anyone's life. We're just, the, we're just the, the servant. In fact, he says that. He says, I'm just a servant through whom you believe. God is the one who gave you that faith. God is the one who gives you everything. God is the one who grants us life and health and peace. God is the one who is all in all. He says, I planted, yes, that's true. Apollos watered, yes, I grant you that. But it is God who causes the growth. He even says at the end of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15 and verses 9 and 10, he says, I'm the least of the apostles. And even though it may appear as though I'm the greatest of the apostles, I know who I am. I know where I've come from. And I'll tell you this, I labored more than you all, yet, not I, but the grace of God that was in me. He always realized that God was the source. It's the same truth of John 15, 5. Jesus told His very own disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches, for apart from me you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Paul focused his life and ministry of encouragement around the source, and that's God. He never wanted people to see Paul as an encourager apart from Paul's relationship to God. And that really is a great reminder for us. Are you seeing God as the source of your ministry to others? When someone comes up to you and encourages you about your ministry or your words or your actions in their life, Do you become proud and arrogant of that? Well, if you're really seeing your encouragement ministry as you should, it should be forever and always a recognition of the source of that encouragement. This is God. This is God's work. This is God's will. This is this is God who is at work in me both to will and to do of His good pleasure. I'm just the waterer. I'm just the planter. God is the one who causes all of the growth. You know, most of the time if someone were to encourage us, maybe the only thing we need to say is thank you. We really need to see God as the one for whom, as we are being encouraged, we are simultaneously saying thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in the life of this person through my ministry. I don't deserve anything. I don't merit anything from you. Even after my salvation, I don't deserve anything. But you give me your grace, you give me your power, you give me your wisdom, you give me your word, and if I can minister to someone and be an encouragement to them, and if they come back and say, I'm so encouraged by your ministry, the underlying source of all of that is God. And that's why Paul says, I thank my God always. Are you thanking God continually for others around you? For their ministry in your life? For the opportunity to encourage anyone? Are you thankful to God for your family? Are you thankful to God for your church fellowship? Are you thankful to God for your job? For all of the things for which you have a platform in which to be a servant of Jesus Christ. It's all coming from God. He's the source of it all. He's the one who causes the growth. Remember what Abba even said earlier about present encouragement spurring on future achievement. You say, well... How is what Paul does here encourage Philemon? Well, remember the context. I thank my God always, Philemon, for I mention you every time in my prayers and thank God for you. And he's, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, sort of buttering Philemon up because of what's going to come in a moment. And what's going to come? Philemon, you know how I thank God for you. You know how I pray constantly for you. Now, you need to do something. You need to forgive Onesimus. See, the spiritual metal, the maturity of anyone's life is not only being thanked by God for what you see in them, but for what you will see in them. The opportunity to forgive another person. Paul wants to encourage. He wants to lay the groundwork to say to Philemon later on, now as a result of what I've told you, I want you to forgive. Onesimus is going to come. And when he seeks your forgiveness, I want you to forgive him. I've, I've thanked God for you in the present and in advance for what you're going to do. You say, well, how can that be true? How can you really be saying that that's what's in Paul's mind? Well, notice what he says in verse 8. As a result of what he's telling him in verses 4 to 7, he says, Therefore, therefore as a result of what I've told you, about who you are and your character and my prayers for you and my thanking God on your behalf. Therefore, I want you to forgive Onesimus. He spends seven verses to say therefore and then spends from verses 8 to 20 to say now do what I've characterized you as being in verses 4 to 7. You know, that's really the ministry of encouragement that we can have in our own lives together can't we you know it's hard to confront other people it's hard to admonish other people it's hard to exhort other people to do the right thing unless we can have a platform of encouragement in their life beforehand it's much easier that way to be able to say to a brother or sister in Christ now I love you and I appreciate everything about you because of what God is the source is doing in your life. And as a result result of all of this encouragement about who you are in Christ, I want to exhort you now, forgive so-and-so. They've sought your forgiveness. Forgive them. Have a ministry of encouragement as you are to me in their life. And that's what Paul is really saying here. Forgive Onesimus. The ultimate request I'm going to give you is to see God as the source of your forgiving of another person. He forgave you. He was the source for your forgiveness. Now you need to forgive others. Secondly, not only seeing God as the source of our encouragement, but also the basis, the basis. What is the basis of our encouragement? Paul says two things. Faith in Christ and love for others. Faith in Christ and love for others. Look at verse 5. He says, I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers because or on the basis of the fact that I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Paul's ground, his basis for his thanksgiving to God is Philemon's faith and his faith in Christ and his love for all the saints. Apparently, someone had been giving Paul regular reports about Philemon's character we don't know how that has come, and we aren't told. It may have been coming through Epaphras. Remember, he's the pastor in Colossae, and he may have been taking some trips to Rome to visit Paul in his imprisonment, and he may have been saying to Paul from his experiences in the church in Colossae, Paul, I want you to know, the man who is hosting the church in Colossae, Philemon, whom you led to Christ, according to Philemon 19, he is really growing in his faith. I'm telling you, even though he is in a position of authority, even though he is the master probably of a number of slaves, even though he has probably a large home for which this church is gathering, and even though he would have great reason to have pride and arrogance, it's the opposite, Paul. It's the opposite. He has a tremendous love for all of the saints, and he has a dynamic faith in Jesus Christ. Paul, you would be so pleased. Paul, if if you were the, the spiritual progenitor of this man in the faith, you'd be so pleased with what God has beget through your ministry. Oh, it would be so wonderful for you to come and see Philemon in action. And the basis of it, Paul, is that he has faith in Jesus Christ. He has that true and abiding and lasting and permanent faith. And he has love for all of those people around him. Love for all the saints. And Paul says... Philemon, I'm hearing about these reports, and I'm telling you, it is encouraging me greatly. And now as a result of that, I want to encourage you. I hear of your love and your faith. You know, beloved, that is really the only basis for encouragement in the Christian life. It stems from the fact that we've been humbled. Our pride has been crushed. Our sin has been vanquished by our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only basis for encouragement. You know, there is, I guess, a sense in which unbelievers try to encourage one another, but it's so fleeting. Why? Because in a non-Christian's life, so often their eyes are on whom? Themselves. But for a Christian, our eyes, by God's design, are off ourselves and on to other people. And isn't it so much easier to encourage someone else when your eyes are off of yourself and on to them? It's so much easier because my faith is in Christ. I'm looking toward the object of my faith. It's Christ. And when Christ looks at me, he says, I want you to minister to others. That's why Philippians 2 says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, If there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection, if any compassion, if that is going to be true in the church in Philippi at all, Paul says, then I want you to know this. Be united in spirit. Be together with one mind. Be intent on one purpose. And I'm sure the Philippians said, well, how can we do that, Paul? How can we really have that kind of encouragement with one another? How can we be united in one purpose? How can we have this kind of ministry of encouragement? He says, here's how. Do nothing from selfishness nor empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. That's what you should do. You should look at your life as having been saved from sin and saved to serve. Serving others. Encouraging them. That's the only basis. The only way we can love other people is when our eyes are off of ourselves and onto others. And when our eyes are off of ourselves, we tend not to think about our position, our circumstances. Now remember, Paul is writing this letter to Philemon from where? From prison. Is this not the ultimate? Paul is saying, now Philemon, I am so encouraged. I, I, I want to be encouraging to you to tell you that I've, hear, that I've heard about your faith in Christ and your love toward all the saints. And I'm sure if I were in that time, I'd say, Paul, have you forgotten where you are? Are you languishing in this prison? Are you delirious? I mean, what about your own situation? We need to be praying for you, Paul. We need to be praying for the preeminent apostle to be released so he can share the gospel around the world. Paul says, that's not where I am. God has me here. He's the source and the providential provider of all that I am and everywhere where I am going to be. And right now I'm in prison. And what I want to do is my heart is so filled with Onesimus. I love this slave I I love this man, and I want Philemon to forgive him. My heart is so full with Onesimus. In fact, he even says, verse 12, I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart. Sending my very heart. He was so close to Paul, and he wants Onesimus to have full freedom and forgiveness from Philemon. And so he says, Philemon... Since I've been hearing about your faith in Christ, which then gives you a great love for people, you should now show that great love toward Onesimus, who's wronged you. Show him the same love as you already do all the others. Show your faith by your love and your forgiveness. Through love, Paul tells the Galatians, we should serve one another. Did you know that the entire law of God is fulfilled in one statement? According to Paul in Galatians 5, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Would you like to fulfill all of the law of God? Every single law that God has ever commanded men to obey, you can fulfill it by loving your neighbor as yourself. Well, wouldn't it be an encouraging word to someone where you could say about their life, you know, I see you as a person who loves God. You want to do what's right. Let me encourage you to excel. Let me encourage you to do this or that for others boy, I'm so incredibly encouraged about your character. What forms the basis of your encouragement toward other people? Is it your faith in Christ that humbles you and then motivates you to love the saints? Do you trust God with all your heart and then look for opportunities to love and encourage others? Well, see, if your eyes are on Christ as the object of your faith, you won't even have time to be consumed with your own needs. You'll you'll just be trying to meet the needs of other people. So Paul says the source of any encouraging ministry is God. The basis for any encouragement is faith and love. And thirdly, he talks about the ministry of encouragement. What is the ministry of encouragement? The ministry? Fellowship. Fellowship. Look at verse 6. And I pray, he says, that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Now you would probably know very well this word for fellowship. It's the word koinonia. That's a word that's commonly used in the church, even in the church of the 20th century, koinonia. But according to the New Testament, there are actually three separate definitions. They may link up with each other, but there are actually three distinct ways of translating this word koinonia in our New Testament. Interestingly enough, one of the ways that koinonia is translated is financial giving. Financial giving. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Paul will say several times, he does in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, I am so grateful for your... And then sometimes in our Bibles it will be translated participation or contribution. It's the Greek word koinonia. So he might be saying here, and I pray that your contribution, which springs out of your faith, may become greatly affected. He may even be talking about Philemon giving money to support Paul or support the saints in general. We don't know for sure. There's another way that fellowship is used, and that means participation or spiritual fellowship. Or it could just be talking very generically about sharing in a common salvation. That's the way John uses it in 1 John chapter 1, that we have a fellowship with one another and a fellowship with Christ. It's talking about salvation there. Which is it referring to here? Well, we don't know exactly. I think probably it's talking about fellowship or partnership, spiritual oneness, spiritual unity. I think it probably means that here because Paul will later say, Philemon... Have a spiritual oneness in the fellowship to such a degree that if Onesimus comes, even if he were to come unannounced and seek your forgiveness, you would immediately embrace him because you would want him to be a part of that fellowship in your church. Because he is seeking that forgiveness, you want to embrace him quickly. So, in essence, he says in this verse, it's my prayer that your spiritual fellowship, your partnership, which is prompted by your faith, Would prove effective and would increase your knowledge and understanding and appreciation for all good things. What are the good things? All the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Paul said to the Ephesians that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I think this is the same thing here. He says, Paul, he says from Paul to Philemon, I want you to know that every spiritual blessing is available to you for what you can do to be effective for Christ. And what is that spiritual blessing that he might be talking about here? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Not just love, not just ministry, not just service. All of those things are important, but I think he has in mind here forgiveness. I want you to know that you have the opportunity, the greatest opportunity I believe that one Christian can do for another, and that is forgive. I believe that that is the greatest gift that one Christian can give to another. Oh, receiving financial help, that's very, very good. Receiving a ministry, having loving deeds and actions done toward you, all of those things are wonderful. They are absolutely essential if we're to function together in the body of Christ. But I think the greatest of these is the love that comes as a result of forgiveness. You know the joy, I'm sure you do, that you have in your heart when someone who has offended you comes and seeks your forgiveness and you have the privilege and the joy of granting them that forgiveness. And it comes as a result of knowing that you've been forgiven by Jesus Christ of your sins. It's always that way. I mean, how could it be that anyone in the church, anyone who has been forgiven by Jesus Christ, ever say to another person, I don't forgive you? Could it be so? Could it be so that anyone who has been forgiven such an incredible debt not forgive others when they seek it? Paul would probably say if there's no forgiveness, there can be no encouragement in Christ. If there is no forgiveness, there can be no fellowship of the Spirit. If there is no forgiveness, there can be no affection or compassion. If there is no no forgiveness, there is no selflessness. You see, not granting people forgiveness is the height of selfishness. It really is. If we say we've been forgiven by Jesus Christ and then we don't forgive others, that's the epitome of selfishness. We should grant forgiveness readily, freely, ably, as those who come and seek it. Now, Paul says, I've given you the source. I've given you the basis. I've given you the ministry fellowship with one another. That's how you can encourage. And fourthly, the result. The result. Oh, I love this verse. Verse 7. For I have come to have much joy. That's one result of encouragement. And comfort, that's two, in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed. That's three. You know what the results are of encouraging other people? Joy, comfort, refreshment. Can you think of three greater nouns that occur when you f- encourage others, forgive others, and they encourage and forgive you? Joy, comfort, refreshment. Joy means delight. Deep, abiding, delight. Oh, we should have more joy in the fellowship. We should have more more joy in our Christian lives. How many of us walk around with a dour, sour, furrowed brow? We're deeply ingrained in the trials and tests of life. And while sometimes those trials are heavy upon us, like a great burden on our back, how much more should we be thinking, though, Of that which awaits us. Heaven, love unbroken, no sin, no tears, no conflicts, no problems, no meetings. Oh, what an opportunity we're going to have to fellowship together in a ministry of encouragement in heaven. I love the title that Jonathan Edwards gave one of his sermons Heaven a world of love. Heaven's going to be a world of love. And there's going to be unspeakable, unmitigated, unhindered joy and comfort and refreshment. And the the real reason that that's true is because everyone who's there is there at least for one commonality. We've all been forgiven of our sins why don't we allow heaven to come down a little bit into the fellowship? Always being ready to forgive. Always standing ready to embrace others who have offended us. Always doing our best, if we believe we've offended others, to go to them, to ask them to embrace us, to forgive us because of our sins against them. And when that transaction occurs, there's joy and comfort and refreshment, deep abiding delight and comfort. I love that word comfort. It's that word that we often hear the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the one who's called alongside to encourage. That's the same word. We have the opportunity to actually have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit who grants us comfort when we forgive other people. And that's what Paul says about Philemon. Oh, I'm so encouraged about your joy, about the comfort that you express to others because of your faith in Christ and how all the saints are refreshed through you, brother. Oh, what a description of a man. What a a wonderful, encouraging affirmation of a human being. You know, he says there, all... Of the saints, hearts have been refreshed. That word hearts is the word bowels. In the very deepest part of their soul, they've been refreshed by you, brother. Refreshed. You know what the word refreshed is? It's the word for rest. It's the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew 11:28 28, when he says, All ye who are heavy laden, I shall give you rest refreshment, rest. Oh, if we had the ministry of encouragement like that. If we were a Sunday school teacher and we went to our pastor and said, now pastor, don't be discouraged if you don't see some fruit bearing. I had the greatest Sunday of my life. And it was from Noah who preached for 120 years, the Bible says, of righteousness. And only his family Responded. How was Noah encouraged? How could he do that every day of his life? How could he build that boat? Especially when the Bible says that only a mist had risen up from the ground to water the earth. There had never been any rain coming down. They didn't really know what rain was. And God were to tell him, Noah, I want you to build this boat and I want you to build it to these dimensions. And I'm sure Noah would say to himself, That large? Okay, Lord, if that's what you're asking me to do, and by the way, no, it's going to take you 120 years. Bit by bit. And I want you to know, just like we read in Isaiah 6, when you go out and preach the gospel to people, no one's going to respond. Just like Jeremiah, he's called the weeping prophet. Jeremiah, I want you to go to the sinful people, and I want you to preach to them, and by the way, no one's going to listen. Be encouraged. You know where the encouragement comes? the deep abiding joy and comfort that you are following the expressed will of God, even if no one else listens. But you know what? God even goes beyond that for us. He even graces us beyond that. We go out and we do the will of God and we preach the gospel and we live a Christian life and we try to have integrity without compromise. And as cherry on top, we have people who come to us from this church or other believers and they say, I see your life." I see what you're doing. I appreciate you. I am very encouraged by the joy and comfort and refreshment that I receive through your ministry. Oh, it's so encouraging. Scott Smith came up to me several months ago and he said, I just want you to know that I have, in two years now, never learned as much about the Bible as I have through your ministry. I've never Understood the context of passages and how they fit together and what the Lord would say to me very personally. Do you know how encouraging that was? Well, that's the same kind of thing I need to do in turning around that ministry of encouragement to you and say, You can do it. Excel. Be all that you can be for Christ. And that's what Paul says to Philemon. Because in one word, therefore, he's going to say, Now you have the responsibility based upon how I've encouraged you to do what is right. Do what is right. Oh, friends, if we had the opportunity to encourage one another, if you and I know anything about encouragement, we know that God is the source, that faith and love is the basis, that the fellowship of believers is the proper ministry context, and that joy and comfort and refreshment comes as the grand byproduct. Do you encourage other people? Or do other people think or say about you, either to you or others, that you have the spiritual gift of discouragement? Oh, we ought to take a knife and excise that like a cancer from our souls. People need our encouragement, and we need theirs. If the Apostle Paul were to come to you and say, Lance, I want you to forgive so-and-so, he's going to be coming and seeking Your forgiveness. And I want you to know all these things about my encouraging words to you and your life. How can I refuse? How can I refuse? And how can you refuse the ministry of encouragement? Let's pray together. Our Father, we want to be encouragers. We want to be those people who forgive And by that forgiveness, encourage others that we love them, that we accept them, that we want to be reconciled to them. Father, make us encouragers, even when we don't want to be. Make us those people who, when someone walks away from us, say, I was so filled with joy, comfort, refreshment. Lord, make it so. If you would do this, knowing that you're the source of it, if you would do this, we would be so grateful that anyone could be encouraged through our ministry. Thank you for giving us a wonderful morning in which to encourage others. In Jesus' name, amen.